Continuing our study through the book of 1 Thessalonians, and we come today to chapter 5, verse 12. The last time we were in Thessalonians, we were looking at the first 11 verses about how to live in the last days, but now Paul, he's kind of beginning to wrap up this letter, and he talks about how to treat one another in the family of God. We've called it how to behave at church. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the timid or disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. It seems to me if we don't know how to treat each other right in the family of God, what chance do we have to treat people right outside of the walls of our church? And so Paul says here, I want you to learn how to treat one another and how to behave at church. First, he tells us how to treat our leaders in verses 12 and 13. Now, I need to make three statements about these two verses and this section of the lesson. These are important verses, perhaps more so today than they've been in a while. And I didn't want to skip them. Plus, we've looked at just about every other verse in 1 Thessalonians. It would be pretty obvious if I skipped over verses 12 and 13. But I will tell you that I was tempted to do it because of the second thing I want to say. And that is, it's awkward for a pastor to preach about how to treat your pastor. And usually, if you hear a preacher preach something like that, at least my mind immediately goes to, uh-oh, he's having trouble. You know, there's problems at the church and he's preaching about it. That is not the case. Um, I love being the pastor of Open Door. I'm not preaching this section because I'm trying to preach at the people of Open Door. I need you to know that. We're not in trouble. It's okay. Pray for us, but we're not in trouble. And the third thing I want to say is, especially to those of you who watch online or who listen through the podcast or however you access these sermons, and you attend other churches, I'm glad you're involved in church, and I'm thankful that you use these lessons to supplement your spiritual growth. But maybe in your church, there are people who could use some encouragement as how to treat their spiritual leaders. There are so many pastors leaving the ministry, and we could all learn how to more effectively encourage one another. And so we're going to look at these verses, and I just wanted to make those three statements as we get into it. There's two things he says to do in, in respect to your leaders. First is recognize them. The NIV uses the word respect. Other translations use a word like acknowledge. It's an interesting word that means, I'll go ahead and give you A and B, it means to recognize and to respect. Those are the two meanings of this word, however your translation translates it, respect or acknowledge or whatever word is used there. It means to recognize and respect, or you could say accept them and appreciate them. He says recognize them. 
That's important because in church, as in your place of business, leadership is not necessarily a title or a position. You all know there are people on the job that have a title and they may have an office, but everybody on the job site knows they're not worth anything. <laughs> if you want to get something done, here's who you talk to. That's the person who's the real leader, regardless of the title. Same thing is true in church. Just because somebody you know, has a staff title or a title of a deacon or an elder doesn't necessarily mean they're a spiritual leader. Paul tells us how you can recognize them. He says they work hard. Shouldn't be lazy people you know, in spiritual leadership. They work hard. He uses the phrase, they care for you in the Lord. That's an interesting phrase. It means to help people progress in their faith. Again, it's not a position, it's a way of behavior. At least one person in my study said they thought this was probably the spiritual gift of leadership that Paul mentions in Romans 12 verse 8. Because there is a gifting of being able to help people progress in their faith. And the third thing he says, they admonish you, that is, they help you understand how to live. So that's how you recognize a spiritual leader. They work hard, they help you progress in your faith, and they help teach you how to live. And again, that's another interesting phrase, that word, that word admonish. It is, it is teaching or instruction aimed at your will, not aimed at your brain, aimed at your will, helping you change how you live. So he says, recognize them first. And then he says, respect them. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. And then he says, live at peace. Now when he says respect them and hold them in high regard in love, I wondered which word he used there for love. And if you said, I'll bet it's agape, you are correct. It is the 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love. Patient, kind, you know, always thinking the best. He said, hold them in love. He's not talking about how you feel about them. You know, because some of the spiritual leaders I've had in my life, I didn't particularly feel great about them, but they were helping me grow in my spiritual faith. And sometimes you don't feel great about them because they're speaking correction into your life, and nobody likes that. But, but he says, hold them in, in high regard because of their work. Love them because of their work and live in peace with everyone. Living in peace is a very familiar theme throughout Scripture. Psalm 34, starting in verse 11. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil, keep your lips from telling lies, turn from evil, do good, seek peace, and pursue it. How important that is. Hebrews 12, 14, make every effort to live at peace with everyone. Romans 12, 18, if it's possible, 
as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I love that verse. And I love the fact that the Apostle Paul wrote it. Because Paul was not able to be at peace with everybody in his life. You read his epistles and he'll say, Watch out for Alexander the coppersmith. He tried to do me in. You know, there are just people that they weren't going to be at peace with Paul. And Paul understood there are just some people, maybe you have some in your life, you're not going to be able to be at peace with them. They have decided that. So he says, if it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. Now this phrase, live in peace with each other, is kind of a transition sentence. Some people, as I have in this outline, add it as a part of how to treat your leaders, be at peace with them. Others put it with verses 14 and 15. And I think it belongs both places. I think it's a transitional statement. He's saying live at peace with your leaders and live at peace with one another. And I thought, well, I need to talk about how to live at peace with one another. I thought, I don't need to preach on how to live at peace. People know, you know how to be at peace with people. The word means to cooperate and keep the peace. You know how to do that. We might not always choose to do it, but we know how to be at peace. Every spouse knows your spouse's hot buttons. And you know, if you want to win the argument, there's like two things to say and it's over. And some other things will be over too, you know. And if you do it often enough, your marriage might be over. But he says, don't push their buttons, you know. We, we just need to, you know, maybe we need to put that over your mirror before you leave for work. Don't push their buttons, you know. We, we, know, we know how to keep the peace. And so Paul says, do your best to stay at peace with your leaders and with each other. But since we're talking about helping your spiritual leaders, I just want to put a parenthesis in here that might give you an insight into how pastors are wired up. We're wired up differently than a lot of people are. You've already figured that out. But, but we're wired up differently. And, and, you know, I've told you before how it's just kind of cool how the Lord sends things across my social media feed as I'm working on a lesson that, that just gives a contemporary illustration to it. This is a social media post that I found like a week before I was really diving into this passage. Here's this. is from a church member. Not a church member here. I don't know where he goes to church. Recently, I scheduled a coffee meeting with our pastor. That morning, I sent a quick text that said, no agenda, just want to catch up and encourage you. When we met, he told me thanks for the text and said, you know how it is. You never know what's going to happen when someone wants to meet. Friends, this is the kind of weight under which pastors live. Being ambushed is a sad and common reality. So for the love of all that is good is holy, please take time this week to encourage your pastor. A local pastor, and this is how it showed up on my feed, responded, spot on by my friend. And I might add that I usually don't allow those sorts of meetings. And on those rare occasions I do let a meeting slip by that I don't know what it's about, I naturally think of and plan a response for the worst possible scenario. That's what 26 years of pastoring will do for you. 
And one of his church members responded, I hope we don't do that to you. And he said, no, but I still have some PTSD from previous churches and members. Yeah, you know, and, and I, 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 that kind of started me down a little track. And I find out that there's a lot of pastors who, if you say, I, I need to have a meeting with you, they'll say no, unless you tell them why you're meeting. I didn't know for most of my ministry, I had that option. I thought if somebody said, I need to meet with you, I needed to drop everything and meet with them. And yes, I have some scars from some of those meetings. But, but it, it just, it, just to give you an insight, as you pray for pastors, and I know that many of you support and pray for other pastors, and I'm glad you do. Um, you know, just this may give you a little more context into how to pray. Uh, because some of us are walking around with PTSD. So he says, do your best to love and care for your spiritual leaders. Live in peace with them. Now he moves on to a series of six exhortations on how to treat each other. And here's what he says, starting in verse 14. Warn those who are idle and disruptive. Warn them. I wondered what that word idle meant. I, I thought it probably meant lazy. It doesn't. That's why the NIV adds and disruptive to it because it means unruly people, people who are out of line, people who are disruptive. It was used in the military to describe soldiers that broke ranks and got out of their place and got out of order. Paul says, warn them. And that word warn means to help them see their need to change how they're thinking and how they're acting. <laughs> I got stuck there too in my study because I know too many churches, and let's be honest, too many businesses, and let's be real honest, too many families where the disruptive, unruly, out of line, disorderly, undisciplined people are the people who are given the most power in that organization. Whether it's your family, oh, we can't do that because so-and-so is going to get mad, you know. Or if it's in a business, oh, we don't need to do that because, you know. Or if it's in a church, oh, we better check with so-and-so. And I thought, Paul didn't know anything about kowtowing to the disruptive. He said, warn them. Tell them to get their act together. Like, whoa, that takes a lot more guts than I have, and probably you have too, which is why we put up with it in our families and our businesses and so on. But Paul says, warn them. Try to get them to correct how they're thinking, which is influencing how they're acting. Warn those who are disruptive. Then he says, encourage the timid. And that word was interesting. I, I said, huh, wonder what that means. I looked it up. It means disheartened or deeply discouraged. It literally, in medical terms, means short of breath. Huh. You ever been short of breath? Listen to me try to climb steps. <laughs> you know, and, and 
we know what it's like to be physically short of breath when when you get hit in the solar plexus man that is the worst feeling in the world you, you can't catch your breath and he's like we know what it feels like physically to have shortness of breath but have you ever been spiritually short of breath sure you have you've gotten a phone call that knocked the pins out from under you you got a doctor's report that made you lose your breath you got news of a family tragedy and you had to sit down because you couldn't breathe we know what it's like to be spiritually short of breath to be faint-hearted to be discouraged and Paul says those people need to be encouraged it's the same word that he uses in chapter 2 verse 12 that often is translated comfort it means to calm to inspire people and encourage people with a view toward the future so when we get spiritually short of breath we need people to come alongside of us and encourage us and help us calm down and let us remember God has a plan to give us hope and a future now sometimes people are faint-hearted or disheartened because of something they've gone through in their past I mean we have no idea what abuse and neglect people have gone through in their lives we have no idea people who walk into this building who haven't felt safe with people who are supposed to be their protectors who've been mistreated by church people and we need to come alongside and encourage those who are disheartened to encourage those who are spiritually short of breath he kind of continues that theme when he says help the weak just as timid or disheartened means short of breath weakness here that he's talking about means insufficient strength and again don't we all experience that at times insufficient strength that's why Paul says in one place bear your own burden but a few verses earlier he had said bear one another's burdens seems like a contradiction till you study the word that he uses for burden when he says carry your own burden he uses a word that just means the ordinary stuff of life but when he says bear one another's burdens he uses a different word for burden and it's the word for an, an oppressive weight that's too heavy to carry and that's what he's referring here to when he talks about helping the weak those who are carrying burdens that are too much you know there's part of life you can handle and then there's times when it's just this is too much and he says help them it means cling to them put your arm around them spiritually speaking and sustain them and support them and uphold them help the weak referencing back to our father's day the video we showed from the barcelona olympics come alongside put your arm around them help them help the weak then he says be patient with everyone i'm glad he put that in there because maturity takes time 
when you're going to work with people, you need to have patience because people are going to try your patience. I am amazed at God's patience. I mean, man, I know some of y'all the last few years that, you know, if I could just be God for 30 minutes, I believe I could fix this, you know. But, but aren't you glad he was patient with you and continues to be patient with you? Uh, be patient. And that word patient that he uses here has with it the idea of strength that can handle disappointments. It's like he's saying, as you work with people, as you try to help people, as you try to encourage people, there will be disappointments. And you need the patience to be able to stick at it. I don't know if you've ever had this experience. My guess is you have. That sometimes the people you try to help the most are the first to turn on you. And it, after all I did for them, and they're doing this? So Paul says we need patience. Be patient with one another. There's going to be disappointment. Maturity takes time. Be patient. Then he says, don't seek revenge. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Don't seek revenge. <laughs> Which is absolutely the opposite of human nature, right? But instead, he says, always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Again, start with the church and then everyone else. Be kind. And I know some of you my age and a few years younger, when I say be kind, you immediately think rewind, right? Because you remember in the old days of the VHS tapes and you went down. Now some of y'all have no idea what I'm talking about and after I explain it, you still won't know what I'm talking about. But there used to be places you could go and rent movies on a, on a VHS tape before Netflix and Amazon Prime and Hulu and everything else. We had to go get them. And if you had an early model or an inexpensive model, VCR, which was the player that played the VHS tapes, when it got to the end, it would not automatically rewind it. Now, when you had enough money to buy a VCR that would automatically rewind, you were in it. it you could probably record, uh, set it up to do more than one recording at a time, too, and that was really fancy. But so stores would charge you an extra fee if you brought back those movies and they were not rewound. And so they would have a sticker on it, be kind, rewind. You still don't know what I'm talking about. Look for it on Google. You'll, you'll see I'm telling you the truth. But be kind is what Paul says here. Be kind. That word is an interesting word. It means be kind, but, but it, it could expand to be pleasant and agreeable and honorable. That's how we're supposed to treat each other. And inherent in the word is effort. Always try, make the effort to be kind. Because let's admit it, you know, for most human beings, it's easier to be mean than it is to be kind. It's easier to be rude than it is to be polite. So he says, make the effort. With an effort, seek to be kind. And the, the, the idea that hit me is he's talking about being kind on purpose. Just decide, in this situation, I'm going to be kind 
on purpose. I'm going to make up my mind. I'm going to treat that person with kindness. And you've probably seen it. It's out there and you've heard me say it before. If you want to know if somebody needs an encouraging word, if they're breathing, they need an encouraging word. Because people are so beaten up by life and beaten down by life and bruised and battered and just by living in these days how desperately we need to see kindness and i gotta tell you you know donna and i really work on this with with people that we interact with in our lives and and you would think sometimes those people have never had a nice thing said to them in their entire lives and and you realize People are starving for kindness. They're, they're withering in their spirits. And they need somebody to be kind to them. Just to listen. Just to say thank you. Just to leave a better tip. You know, I mean, just the things to do to be kind on purpose. I was having to, to talk with the people that set up physician appointments because Donna and I needed to do a, a swap of a couple appointments and it was not going to healthcare today will drive you insane if you find out what's going on we just wanted to switch appointments we couldn't switch appointments because my appointment was for more minutes than her appointment was for and it's like what and and so the lady I mean it took her about 10 minutes I, I said you know we really need to do this and finally, you know, she got it done to where we could do what we needed to do. And at the end, I said, I appreciate it. Thank you. And she said, oh, it wasn't, it wasn't anything. It was nothing. And I said, oh, I know better than that. I know you had to work hard at this. And she kind of chuckled and said, thank you. you know, but, but, you know, just acknowledge when people try to make things work for you. Be kind on purpose. It takes an effort but be kind on purpose. Because, I mean, in the big scheme of things, it doesn't take that much of an effort, does it? It doesn't take that long to say thank you. It doesn't say that long to say I appreciate the effort you made. Be kind. I'm talking about how to behave at church. <laughs> and how to behave other places. Because, as we said when we started, if we don't know how to behave in church toward one another... How are we going to behave toward people outside the church? Which is what Paul says. Always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. And I will say to you that I am proud, in the right sense of the word, to be a part of a church where we do our best to do this. Uh, somebody said about our, our people, they, they're gentle Christians. I like that. You know, I, I, I'm appreciative of the fact that people can come in from wherever they come in and, and say that they felt love and they felt acceptance. And that's what we want. That's why we're here. That's why we call it Open Door. And I'm thankful to be a part of a church like that. But let's stay on our guard and make sure that we continue to treat one another and the others in our lives the way Jesus would have us do it. Father, there's an old song that says, let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. And I pray that would be the case. I do thank you for the atmosphere of open door. 
And I, I, I believe, Father, from conversations that I, that I hear that we do our best in our daily lives to demonstrate Jesus. And I pray that you would help us continue to do that, to make the effort to be kind on purpose, to encourage those who are weak, to help those who are spiritually short of breath. And Lord, help us to be that encouraging, strengthening calming influence in people's lives they may not know that it's you in us but the promise of your word is people will see our good deeds and glorify our father in heaven pray that would be the case father may your love so fill us that it spills out of our lives and touches those that we come in contact with on a daily basis and now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and give you his peace now and evermore. Amen.